book of Ezekiel in chapter 20. As we've been going through this chapter, you remember that as the chapter starts out, once again, Ezekiel had elders who sat before him. And they were expecting to hear a word from the Lord. And the Lord said, you're not going to hear anything from me. You're asking of me a word. You that are idolaters, you that worship other gods, you're going to ask of me what I have to say. And he puts them in remembrance of when he visited the house of Israel in Egypt. When he called them by his name. And he commanded them to put away the evil of their eyes. To cast off the idols of the Egyptians. And they would not. They rebelled. And so in spite of their rebellion, in spite of their hard-heartedness, he takes them out of Egypt across the Red Sea and takes them to Mount Sinai. He says, remember? Remember I took you from the land of Egypt and I brought you to Mount Sinai and there I entered into a covenant relationship with you. There I gave you my law, my commandments, that if a man do them, he shall live in them. He also gave them his Sabbath. His Sabbath day, which was to be a sign unto them, which they were to remember what the Lord had done for them, and bringing them out of Egypt, bringing them out of bondage, and entering into a love relationship, a covenant relationship, with them giving them his laws and his commandments there. And we're seeing that they again rebelled. They were disobedient and the Lord said that he would utterly destroy them told this to Moses he said to Moses he said I'll utterly destroy them and I'll make of you Moses a great nation but for his namesake 
for his namesake. He wrought for his namesake. He worked for his namesake. That his name would not be polluted. That it would not be in any way shamed, trodden upon. That it would be lifted up among the heathen, among the, the Egyptians from whom he brought them forth, and among the countries that heard about it round about. And he showed his judgment, but in his judgment he had mercy. He had mercy in that he didn't utterly destroy them. He left their children. Their children to grow up and to become adults and to walk in their stead and in their place. And that's where we take up tonight. Verses 18 through 20. I said unto the children... In the wilderness, walk not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths. And they shall be a sign between me and you. That ye may know that I am the Lord your God. The first generation. The generation that, that he brought out of Egypt. Their fathers. He gave them the law and his commandments. And now he puts their children, he puts the second generation in mind of his laws and commandments. And he said, in a way of warning that they must not follow in the footsteps of their wicked parents. They must not follow in the statutes, verse 18, of their fathers. Don't walk as your fathers did. But walk in obedience to me. We, in knowing the Old Testament scriptures, and particularly the time after Solomon's reign came to an end and the kingdom was divided and in the uh, ten northern women and, and the southern kingdom followed after Solomon's son, Rehoboam. 
And that kingdom, the southern kingdom, had wicked kings, as did the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom other kings were wicked. But there were some of the sons of those wicked kings in the southern kingdom, there were sons of those sons who did not walk in the statutes, in the paths that their fathers did. Such as Uzziah, such as Hezekiah, particularly Hezekiah. Remember, Hezekiah's father was evil and wicked king, did, did abundantly wicked in the land. But his son, Manasseh, and his grandson, Ammon, did exceedingly abominations before the Lord. Manasseh particularly. And Ammon followed in Manasseh's footsteps. But Ammon's son, Josiah, did not walk in the ways of his grandfather or in the way of his father. His heart was towards the Lord. He walked in obedience to the Lord. And you remember in chapter 18 of the book of Ezekiel that we were told there, Israel was told, Judah was told there. <laughs> because the proverb dwelt in the land and, and had been in Israel, the ten northern tribes, and it was in Judea. It was in the kingdom of Judah, Jerusalem and Judah. And the proverb was that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. <laughs> in other words, they're blaming their fathers for their calamity that had fallen upon them. God says, no, no, no. A man is responsible for his own. Turn with me to, uh, to the 18th chapter. The 18th chapter, and, and look with me at verse 20. We'll just read one one verse there in way of remembrance. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. In other words, each man is responsible for his own life and for the life which he lives. He cannot blame his father. 
And as we went down there, through there, we seen that a wicked father had a son who dwelt in righteousness, who walked in the ways of the Lord, walked pleasing to the Lord. He did not follow in the steps of his father. And we also found that there were righteous fathers who walked in the ways of the Lord, walked pleasing to the Lord, but their son walked in wickedness, did not walk in the ways of the Lord. So back here in our text, he is reminding them and telling the children in the wilderness, the children of the first generation, the children which is the second generation, not to walk in the statutes of their fathers. Don't walk as your fathers did. Don't disobey me as your fathers did. Walk in obedience. They must follow the Lord. They must obey and walk in His holy word. Walk according to His holy word. <laughs> he gave His law, His commandments to them. That they that walk in them should live of them. That's what He desires of them. That's what he desires of us. Notice in verse 19, he said, I am the Lord, your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgment and do them. Same thing he had commanded their fathers to do. And their fathers failed to do. Their fathers rebelled to do accordingly. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy in chapter 26 and of course by the time we get to this 26th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, he is speaking here. Moses is speaking. God is speaking to the children, to the ones that we are referencing in the 20th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 26 and verse 16. We read, This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. In other words, with all that's within you. He, he wanted perfect obedience. An obedience in the heart that is going to translate to their daily walk, to their life. 
the life which they live, and thus he commands them. Turn with me to the 32nd chapter. The 32nd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. In verse 46. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day. Did you notice that? Set your hearts. <laughs> in other words, he, he wanted it deep in. He wanted it to be their desires and their passions. That, that motivating factor. Listen, when you get it in you, you won't have near the problem doing it in your daily actions, in your deeds, in your works, in the path which you follow. He said, set your heart unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children. <laughs> He's commanding the children that now to command their children to observe to do all the words of this law. That's what God wanted from the beginning. That's what God wanted with the first generation. Did they obey? Did they keep His commandments? We've already seen that they rebelled. They were hard-hearted. They were stiff-necked and rebellious and did not obey time and time again. What was it we mentioned last week? Uh, the, uh, at least ten times, if not more times, you can go through the wanderings in the wilderness and you can see all their disobedient acts in which they disobeyed, they murmured and complained. And that, by the way, is disobedient. Murmuring against God. Murmuring against... God's people murmuring against God's man is disobeying God. It's being disobedient to the Lord. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of the Psalms in chapter 81. Psalms chapter 81 and look with me at verse 10. Lord says here in this Psalms, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. That's what he commanded us to take. He said, I am the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the world. You're not of the world. John chapter 15. I have chosen you out of the world. <laughs> Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. In thinking about this, this last phrase, open thy mouth wide, it, 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 it's the like, likeness given as to, to uh, baby birds. 
birds in a nest, before they can fly, before they can hunt their own food. And, and, and they... And other the father brings a worm or brings an insect or or a morsel of food and, and their mouths are wide open and the mother bird just or the father bird just drops it in their mouth that's what the lord said to us that's what he said was saying to israel but that's what he's saying to us tonight he's the lord our god Open your mouths wide. He'll fill it. He'll not let you go away hungry. You see, the desire, the desire there expressed in this psalm is, is a desire for the Lord our God, is a desire for the Word of God. And, and we, can't, we can't know the Word of God unless He feeds us with His Word. He says, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Look what he says to us in the book of Titus. The book of Titus in chapter 2, verse 11. We like to talk about our salvation. We like to talk about our salvation being by grace through faith. It's the, it, it, it's the grace of God. Well, yeah, it is. But there, there's more to it. We're told in, in the book of, uh, of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In other words, we're not we're not saved by our good works, but after salvation, we have been saved to do good works, to bring honor and glory unto God. And in, in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The, the grace of God and salvation is, has appeared to, to men of all the world. Not every man inclusive, but representatives from every tongue, from every nation upon the face of the earth. Teaching us. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, not obeying the laws and commands of God. Jesus said, in John chapter 14 and verse 15 to his church, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Grace of God, our salvation teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, when we're when we're being disobedient, when we're walking in unbelief, we're not looking for that blessed hope. We're not looking for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're walking in sin. We're walking in disobedience. We're walking in blindness 
through his coming. We're blind to the fact that he might come at that very moment. We were not blind. We would be expecting his coming. Expecting his coming will keep us from sin. Will keep us from walking in this life, a life of sin. It'll cause us to live righteously. It'll cause us to live godly in this world. Looking for the blessed hope. Looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The one who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. You see, we're not thinking very highly of our salvation. We're not thinking very highly of our Redeemer, the one who, who purchased us from the slave market of sin, the one who redeemed us from all iniquity, the one who purified us unto himself, made us a special people, a special people, a people of his choosing, a people of his honor, a people of his glory. These children, and we too, must keep God's Sabbath. God's Sabbath day. God's holy day. Going back to uh, our text in verse 20 in our text. Ezekiel 20, 20. And hallow my Sabbaths. And they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. It, it, it's a, it, 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 the Sabbath was a day of, of remembering what God has done for them. Our Christian Sabbath, our, our first day of the week, is a remembering of what the Lord has done for us. He died. But He rose again. He rose again that we might have the forgiveness of sins. He ever lives making intercession for us. He is our advocate when we sin. We are to remember that. We're to remember that he rose so that we might be forgiven. We're to remember that every first day of the week, the day that he came forth from the grave. Yes? In the New Testament, we're not commanded to keep the Sabbath. As the children of Israel were commanded to keep the Sabbath. In the New Testament, you, you won't find that we're commanded to keep the Christian Sabbath. 
but there is ample evidence that exists that the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ honored that day. They met together that day. They kept the Christian Sabbath. They kept the first day of the week. As the Lord came forth from the grave, the day He came forth from the grave, He met with His church. And the next week, on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week, He met with His church again. And His churches continued to meet, particularly on the first day, and more often than the first day. But they continued to meet on the first day. And every, every other time that the church set forth a time for meeting, a time for gathering together, a time for assembling together, they assembled as often as the church dictated. And our churches today dictate the Lord's Day is a given. The times of the services on the Lord's Day, that's up to the church. But we meet on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. And any other time that the church establishes, that the church sets forth, we gather together. And we do have this command in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10, in verse 25. Well, we got to, you got to read verse 24 with it. And let us consider one another to provoke to incite, to stir up unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves again. What, what these two verses are saying here, here is, is, is if you're not assembling together, whatever services the church has dictated outside of the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day included, but any other if you're not assembling together, how can you be present? How can you stir one another up on the love and good works? And we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. How much closer is the day approaching? How much closer is the day of the Lord? How much closer is His coming today than the day you were first saved? We ought to be sure to be faithful and assemble together, particularly on the first day of the week. Don't lay out on the first day of the week. That's the Lord's Sabbath. The Christian Sabbath. We're to be assembled together, worshiping Him, remembering. If we're saved, remembering what He has done for us. They must 
know and make sure the Lord alone is their God. You see, honoring, honoring the Sabbath, honoring the Lord's day was a sign and a sign by which they, they'd know that, yes, the Lord is my God. Yes, He did this for me. He delivered me from Egypt. He delivered me from this world. He chose me out of this world. I didn't choose Him. He chose me out of this world. In the New Testament, Jesus pointed to whom? Did he point to himself? Did he point to the Holy Spirit? No, when when he just before he's getting ready to leave this world, he said the Holy Spirit will come and he'll be your comforter. He'll be your walk alongside of. He said, while I was here, I walked alongside of you. But I'm getting ready to leave and the comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And he'll walk alongside of you. No, he pointed men to the Father. Even what we're studying on Sunday morning in John chapter 5, those Jews who, who wanted to kill him. He's pointing to the Father. Yes, he's declaring the Son. But in declaring the Son, he's declaring the Father. He was declaring they're equal. And then, just before he gets ready to depart, just before he's to be crucified, in John chapter 14, he says this in verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, that is to Philip, have I been so long time with you? And yet, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus had been pointing them to the Father all the time. And, and, and they said, show, Philip says, show us the Father. Jesus says, you've been a long time with me, Philip. You've been with me these three and a half years. And you don't know that you see me You've seen the Father. 
Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me, for the very work's sake. You see, have you seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? Just a few verses before that, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but my me. If you've come up, if you've come unto the Son, if you've come un unto Jesus Christ, you've come unto the Father. You'll see the Father. You see Jesus Christ. You've seen the Father. You see, we come together on the Lord's Day. And every day that we assemble, we assemble to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, are you not exalting the Father? Are you not bringing honor and glory and praise unto our great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we'll stop there tonight.